The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Catch a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Good morning and assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Urban Cube. It's Monday 11th of February 2019 and you're listening to me, Shamiza, taking you all the way up to 12 o'clock on Where Else is the Urban Cube, of course. I hope you have had a fantastic weekend and a great start to the week on this very fine Monday morning. A little bit chilly outside, but the sun is also out and it's a lovely clear blue sky. So on today's show, as always, I'm joined by a wealth of guests who are going to be talking to me um, on something called Time to Talk. Now, Time to Talk, it's um, a campaign that was launched last week in regards to mental health awareness and making sure that we're actually talking about it more so. Now, uh, mental health is a topic that I um, readily discuss on the Urban Cube, as I feel it is extremely important to keep the conversations going. And on today's show, the conversations are definitely not going to be running dry because I'm joined by an absolutely wonderful wealth of guests who are going to be talking to me about the topics of mental health and well-being. Plus, we'll be discussing 22 Seconds to Murder, an exhibition in memory of knife crime victims with artist and activist Halima Ali and community champion Sandra Glenn. We're also going to be exploring ways to improve mental well-being amongst young people through the art of creative visualisation. I've got to say that correctly. Visualisation, that's a bit of a mouthful for me this morning, with holistic well-being practitioner Shabina Akhtar. And I'm also going to be reflecting on National Cancer Day and screening with academic and breast cancer survivor Elizabeth Bailey as she highlights her role as a campaign ambassador for a national cancer um, charity. So these are going to to be my guest this morning and we are going to be supporting the National Mental Health Campaign, Time to Talk, and um, we'll be discussing conversations around mental health and well-being this morning. Now, please feel free to get in involved with any of the conversations that we're going to be having happen, are having this morning on 07779481822. Feel free to WhatsApp us this uh, morning if there's any questions that you have. And I also need to point out that the guests that I have on the show are not specialists in their field. If there is anything health related, then please do contact um, your doctor and get the advice that um, that you need medically. The guests I have are are not medical practitioners, but they are quite experienced in their field, but you still need to make sure that you get the correct medical advice from the specialists in that area. Now, as always, the show is about um, listening to what you have to say as well. So I hope you will be getting involved with any of the conversations we're having. Um, And uh, the show today, as always, goes out to Luton surrounding areas and also the absolutely wonderful listeners in... uh, Sheffield on Link FM. Assalamu alaikum and good morning to you guys, uh, as well as Peterborough on Salaam Radio. Um, if you're listening in from anywhere else around the country, be that locally, nationally or internationally, would love to find out where you're listening in from. Um, you know, give me some company. I mean, I've got guests over the phones and there's nobody in the studio this morning. So we're not going to be having Facebook Live with the cameras on the guests. It's only going to be the audio. But you can actually leave your comments on the 
comment section on Facebook as well. So yeah, I need to keep them rolling. I need you to to get in contact with me, inshallah. Would love to find out whether you're actually participating in National Clean Up Your Computer Day. Yep, there is something called National Clean Up Your Computer Day and it's today. Goodness me, where do they get them from? Um, I I can appreciate why there's a need for this. I mean, computers are so, so important in our lives. Um, We are accessing information and using um, a computer, be that internet for research, um, even just the screen, computer screen to actually watch movies, so forth. Um, Yeah, but how often do you actually get your computer cleaned? Um, So, but it's interesting because the actual uh, word processor on a computer, the keyboard does amount to a lot of bacteria. So if you're not cleaning that up, you are actually building up a lot of bacteria on there. Um, I need to find out how yucky it's been estimated as being. Um, Are you somebody that actually wipes the word processor with wipes and stuff? It was really quite cool because at work um, this on Friday, we had little sachets left on our our computers. And just as a gentle reminder, clean that yucky word processor um, and and keep your space clean. It's always good, isn't it? And are you somebody that's quite, quite pedantic or very, very keen to keep your space nice and clean and tidy um, when you're working. Uh, I'm I'm going to be honest, I'm not. I can work in absolute chaos. Um, but as long as I can press the buttons, I don't care how much clutter there is. But uh, are you the opposite to that? Love to find out. You know, I'm always about quirky banter and conversations on this show. Now, coming back to something a little bit more serious, we are looking at the topic of time to talk. This topic time to talk or this uh, hashtag was rolled out last week and it was all about mental health but on today's show I am using that as a link to discuss topics that are not discussed often enough and do greatly impact um, our lives and mental health and uh, well-being and are just one of those areas. But there's something else that is actually quite, uh, is having a great impact on many, many people's lives. And I'm really delighted to have um, somebody on the show this morning who is really, really passionate about making sure that we are talking, we are talking about these issues. It's a exhibition called 22 Seconds to Murder. You would have heard me discuss this on my previous show last week with artist, um, pop artist Farah Subhan, who is one of the artists who's exhibiting her work at this very poignant exhibition. This exhibition is in memory of knife crime victims. And I'm this morning joined by artist and activist Halima Ali, who is the lady or the think tank behind this exhibition. The exhibition is in memory of knife crime victims. Um, And I'm really delighted to have um, activist... Halima Ali, who is an inspiring, who's inspiring social and political change through events and art workshops, joined me this morning. Assalamu alaikum, Halima. Wa alaikum salam. How are you this morning? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very, very well. Thank you so very much for joining me this morning on the Urban Cube um, to talk about 22 Seconds to Murder. We got an insight from one of the artists last week um, yep. discussing this, and I just felt that we needed to give more time and more discussion around this topic because knife crime 
is not going away. It is see- it mm. seems to be we're hearing um, somebody impacted by this, you know, at least once or twice a month. Young people lives taken away by this horrendous mm. horrific crime and you're somebody that's actually trying to make sure that we are we are discussing it we're talking about it and ways of trying to combat this halima tell us a little bit more about this ex- exhibition and why you felt it necessary to actually make it happen um firstly thank you for inviting me on the show um so this is more than just an exhibition it's more of a holistic event where um, an exhibition is one element of it, but we're also having performances, um, a panel discussion, um, and also a martial arts demonstration to show people how to do self-defense against a knife crime attack. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was important to do something that was a little bit out of the ordinary, um, because when it comes to young people and engaging them, if you said to them, let's go to a lecture, you know, a panel discussion, that's something that might put them off. Right. Um, but whereas if you say, you know, there's artwork around knife crime, or there's someone rapping around knife crime or gang culture. That's something that will engage them more, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully this is something that can engage the parents as well, um, especially, you know, in the panel discussion. Um, and we'll be giving, like, anger management techniques and so on. So you, um, and the in- oh, With so you the, mentioning uh, yeah. it holistic, you definitely mm-hmm. seems to be covering a lot, a wide range of areas. Um, yeah. Halima, what drove you to actually put this uh, project together? What was it that kind of uh, sparked your your interest or enthusiasm? Um, so I'm not sure if I shared this story um, publicly yet, but it's actually quite a bizarre story how this actually happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so after hearing Azan Kaleem's, um about his murder, um, myself and my friends, um, we were like, okay, let's put together a vigil, let's do something. Um, and this was back in May. Um, then, you know, because I'm part of the Bedfordshire Police Scrutiny Panel, I spoke to one of the officers mm-hmm. and he suggested that as it was an ongoing criminal investigation um, and because of, you know, getting in touch with victims' families as well to make sure they're okay with it. Mm-hmm. So, but at the time he said because of confidentiality reasons, he couldn't actually put us in touch. Right. So um, we had to kind of put it on a backstop. And then one day during my exhibition that I did on human rights, um, a woman came in, to, came in, just a random passerby. She saw what I was doing and she asked me, oh, can you do something on knife crime? Yeah. And I said to her, you know, uh, that's the next project I've got in mind, but I'm supposed to get in touch with the victim's families, but I don't know how. And she says, I'm Azan Kaleem's mother. Oh, wow. And I'm like, wow. You know, that was just that was just such a you know yeah subhanallah moment. Halima, um, could I just stop Halima, you there? Stop? Could you just tell us a little bit more about Azan Kaleem, who he mm-hmm was and um, why his mother wanted you to do this exhibition? Yeah, so Azan Kaleem was um, a boy from Luton. Um, he was only 18 years old when he sadly um, was murdered. Um, and he was actually attacked. Um, it was recorded on CCTV and uh, the attack took place over the space of 22 seconds. Um, and I thought that was quite a profound thing that, you know, in that short space of time, someone's life could be taken. Um, so that's why the exhibition and the event and the project is called 22 Seconds to Murder. Um, you know, it's quite a hard-hitting statement. Yes. But we're hoping that something as hard-hitting as this can open people's eyes and realise, you know, if you're going to be carrying a knife, then it 
something like this can happen where, you know, a life can be taken at sh- such a short space of time. And it is 22 seconds. That's all it took to take mm. this young boy's life. 18 years just gone in an instant. Yep. instance. I mean, I'm getting quite overwhelmed just talking about it. But somebody like you who is not far away from the age of 18, um, <laughs> yeah. mashallah, you're a young woman yourself, but actually having to speak to the victim's mother and then mm. actually create this project, what was that experience like for you? It, it was quite stressful, to be honest. Um, you know, I've had, I've been consulting with Razan, the mother. Um, I've had, you know, the support of Luton Six from College. So that's where I'm currently working and they wholeheartedly supported this event. So they're, they're essentially sponsoring it. Um, but it's been a lot of hard work and sleepless nights and consulting lots of um, artists and so on. Mm-hmm. But Alhamdulillah, um, I've had lots of people, you know, willing to volunteer their time, which is the thing that I kind of worried about at the start because I had no funding. So okay. this was absolutely done on nothing. Um, but I had so many people say, you know, we'll do this for free. And Alhamdulillah, it's all somehow got put together. Are people doing this for free because they believe in your vision? They understand and appreciate how important it is to raise awareness and it's impacting the community? Yeah, exactly that. Um, and it wasn't just people from Luton. So I ha- I've had people from London say they want to do something, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, knife crime affects a lot of people in London. I've even had um, a rapper from Wellingborough who's coming down. Um, so Alhamdulillah, I've had people from all, all over. Um, and yeah, it's exactly that, you know, to see young lives being taken. So this could be, you know, it could be their siblings, it could mm-hmm. be um, their kids and so on. Um, and it's just as community members, I think they feel a need to actually, if you know, if they've got a skill such as performing or art, they feel like they should be putting that skill to good use in raising awareness about such a heavy topic. Now, you mentioned about being on a panel for Bedfordshire Police. How is the police tackling knife crime amongst the young people of our community? Yeah, so I'm actually the vice chair currently of, um, it's called Bedfordshire Police um, Scrutiny Panel. Wow. So what we do is we scrutinise stop and searches. Mm-hmm. Um, so currently Bedfordshire Police, they do wear body cam videos. Um, so they can record their stop and searches. And, you know, it, that is one element in how they're trying to tackle knife crime. But when it comes to stop and searches, that's not always just, it's not the answer. It's not the be all and end all. Of course. Um, so what we do find is that, um, you know, there's a lot of people who sort of are pushing for, oh, let's increase stop and searches. Um, that's not always going to just, it, just increasing it isn't the answer to stopping knife crime. Because that's, um, that's also been uh, criticised and yeah. scrutinised amongst the community that, you know, young people are indiscriminately being targeted. But that's a completely different topic altogether. <laughs> and we can uh, do another show on that. But Halima, as a woman, as a Muslim woman, who's so active in the community, um, do you, uh, this is a really quite a very, very demanding area of work to be in. Um, mm-hmm. How are you able to kind of get your views taken seriously? And what changes do you want to see happening? Um. It's actually quite funny that you've asked that because I've had, um, let's say, some negativity as well. It's not all just been positive about um, mm-hmm. me doing this. So there have been other groups or individuals who have sort of been like, oh, they wish they they could have done it instead. Or, um, you know, th- there's that sort of negativity in that sense. Um, so I think as a woman and as an Asian, as a Muslim, you have to sort of be 
heard sort of 10 times louder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just, you know, I'm quite a strong, independent person. And I make sure, even though I'm very small in height, um, I make sure my voice is quite loud. You are a powerful pack, believe me. Um, and it's such a pleasure to hear your passion and conviction because you do not stop. My goodness, Mashla. She's not in the studio today because she has a little bit of a backache. Yeah. <laughs> she did ask me, Shmiza, do you have cushions in the studio? I'm like, look, look, you can do this interview from home. And I'm so grateful that you have given me your time. And it is time to talk and time to talk about these issues that are not being talked enough about or not being dealt with. But you're using this project, this space at Luton Sixth Form to kind of raise awareness about um, knife crime and the impact it has on families, um, in particular, the impact it's had on a local boy, a local young man, Azan Kalim, mm. whose life was taken prematurely in 22 seconds. Um, and his mother is supporting this this campaign and this project and why is um, his mother supporting you um, Halima why is she trusting you to kind of raise awareness of this and will she be at the event yeah so uh, the day that she met me because I was doing an exhibition on human rights I think it was quite a profound moment for her mm-hmm. um, if anyone saw the exhibition I had a shackled I created yes. a man shackled him to the ceiling to represent the oppression of mankind so wow. I think that in itself was quite hard hitting mm-hmm. um, so she saw that I could take a concept and come up with something you know very unique um, so and she's actually going to be ex- exhibiting um, an artwork that some school students had done in memory of her son. Oh, wow. And she Gosh. will be at the event. So she'll be speaking um, about the loss of her son. Yeah. Um, and the event itself is on Monday, 18th of February. Um, and it's at Luton Sixth from College from 12 o'clock to 6 o'clock. Um, if someone can't make the whole event, just pop in and out whenever you know, they feel. So mm-hmm. the first sort of section of the event is the performances. Mm-hmm. The middle section will be the panel discussion. And the last section um, is the martial arts demonstration. But throughout the whole event, you can uh, do a live art piece. So there's going to be a mural being created. Um, and there's also um, all the artists' um, artwork that's going to be uh, will be exhibited as well. Who are you hoping will attend this event? And is this event open to the wider community and not just young people that attend the sixth form? Yeah, so um, it's open to all um, and it's a free event as well. Um, I am hoping that high school students and college students in particular would attend uh, from all across Luton, but also their parents as well. So although it's open to everyone, they're kind of my target group because, you know, the people who would be affected by knife crime directly... Mm -hmm. Um, but also their parents, because what you find is a lot of parents can be quite oblivious to what's happening with their child. Um, and it's only, you know, oh, it's someone else's son. It's never going to be our kid, mm-hmm. um, only until it is. Um, so I, I kind of want to do this before it's too late. And I think you've said something very, very poignant before it's too late. And there is a disparity between parents' understanding of what youth culture is out there. There are lots of parents that parents that are fully aware, but there are lots of parents who are oblivious to the dangers yeah. their children could be up against. And do you what do you think is the cause of this? Is there a root cause to knife crime and and you, you mentioned gang culture? Mm. So it's it's actually lots and lots of different things. So, you know, gang culture is just one of them, but 
um, there's a lot of kids who aren't involved in gangs whatsoever and they feel the need to protect themselves. Right. Um, so instead of just like, you know, I've asked some students in the past, oh, why don't you just learn self-defense instead? Mm-hmm. Oh, miss, we can't afford it. Um, oh, wow. And that's another issue. You know, it comes to poverty. It comes to, uh, you know, there's a lot of political issues around it. Right. Um, you know, you see people in social deprivation as well mm-hmm. um you know if there's youth centers that are cut and the kids are ending up on the street or not being able to afford martial arts or you know there's a lot of things that revolve around this poverty issue um so you know it's not something that we can just say oh it's just gangs it's not it's not all it's just gangs you've raised some very 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 important pointers there about poverty the lack of funding making youth centers close down mm. so where do these young people go are there going to be people present at this event that are going to be taking note and trying to make some changes across the town for our youth who are our future generation i do hope so so i i have invited you know um different youth companies and so on mm. um and i'm just hoping that they can sort of implement these, you know, if they hear what the stu- you know the young people want mm. or what they think the issues are, they can hopefully implement that in their own line of work. Inshallah. And are you inviting members of the local masajids to come in to have an awareness of what's going on in our communities? Um, it's open to everyone. So, yes, this, this can be a call out to the local masjids. As well, you know, like the imams to come down and just actually listen in, because I think it's really important that discussions like this are actually had yeah. khutbas, or is it too modern or too taboo that there isn't, um, you know, but it is time to talk, right? It is time to talk. And, you know, if anyone listening um, knows any of the local imams, please do get in touch with them and share the event with them. Because, um, you know, as you say, you know, when it comes to the khutbas, for example, some young people might feel like, I, would, I'm not, I shouldn't say outdated, but, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, it's Islamic um, sort of knowledge, you know, it's it sort of lost throughout time. But when it comes to the issues that they're addressing, um, we should be addressing more current issues as well. Of course. Um, and this is a current issue. This is not going away. It's actually worsening, unfortunately. Statistics, yep. um, I'm, I'm going to be throwing over a figure of the number of young people that have been impacted, um, who've died from knife crime mm. um, across Bedfordshire. And I was so taken aback by that figure, but I need to make sure that I get the, get the correct figure. Um, folks, if you've just tuned in, you are listening to The Urban Cube with me, Shamiza, taking all the way up to 12 o'clock. It is 10.21, Monday, 11th of February, and I'm speaking to artist and activist Halima Ali, and she is the lady behind a very poignant and significant exhibition um, and talk um, and space uh, being held at Luton Sixth Form College. This is an event called 22 Seconds to Murder. It's a project in memory of knife crime victims, in particular Azan Kalim, who was a victim of a 22-second attack, which sadly resulted in his death. This event is happening at Luton Sixth Form College from 12 to 6pm on Monday 18th of February. It's a fusion of artwork, performances and a panel discussion and a demo on self-defence against a knife attack. And Halima is with me over the phone this morning talking to me about why this event is so, so needed um, and requires you to come and attend it to kind of gain that and just just gain uh, an awareness. So it's not just for um, young people, it's all for, for parents as well, inshallah, to go and get a bit of an insight on what sort of support is out there. Now, if there is somebody who is impacted or being bullied or, or just mm-hmm. feels... 
um, in fear, really. Who could they actually contact um, Halima regarding knife crime? Or if there's somebody that has a knife and wants to, to hand it in? Um, I would say, you know, contact the local police, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if it's in terms of bullying, I would say, you know, if they're in a school, obviously contact the um, the teachers. There's always safeguarding teams around. Um, but if it's something more immediate, then do contact the police. And how can people get in contact with you, Halima, in regards to this event or future events that they want to participate in? Um, yes, yeah, so you can find me on social media, on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Um, and my handle is at contact Halima. Mm-hmm. Um, so Halima is spelled H-A-L-E-E-M-A. Um, and if you want to join the campaign, um, do hashtag 22 seconds to murder. Um, and there's a social media campaign that's happening alongside that. So we're answering the question, if you had 22 seconds to live, oh, wow. what would you do? Oh, um, so you could post in a video. Yeah, it's, it is a hard-hitting question. But, um, you know, if someone can post in a video or write something, that would be appreciated. Um, and also, if you want to attend the event, it's a free event. It's open to all. Um, but if you want to sign up online, just so we can kind of gauge some numbers, um, it's 22stm dot eventbrite.co.uk so that's 22stm.eventbrite.co.uk if you'd like to yep. attend this event hashtag 22 seconds to murder a project in memory of knife crime victims and it's happening on monday 18th of february at luton sixth form college um and you are asking people to hashtag it or upload a video if you had 22 seconds to live what would you do yeah that's that's quite that's hard hitting that is seriously mm-hmm. hard hitting um halima thank you so very much for joining me this morning i know you have a very busy schedule um yeah. this um, this event sounds tremendous thank last you. thing before you go if there's anything you would like to say to our listeners this morning what would that be um thank you for listening um and i hope to see you at the event short and simple that's (laughs) the way it should be have a beautiful day my dear and um and just thank you for everything you do Thank you, Shemaizah. Bye. Assalamu alaikum. That was Halima Ali, um, who is a community activist, social activist, um, artist. She's everything. Goodness me. And she's a local woman doing some tremendous work and, and really raising awareness about um, the issues that are impacting our young people. And that is presently knife crime. Today's show, hashtag it's time to talk. And we are definitely talking right after the break. I'm going to be joined by another community champion raising awareness of this particular topic of knife crime. So join me straight off this. Assalamu alaikum. The number one radio station for Luton. This is Inspire FM. Catch a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Good morning and assalamu alaikum. It's 10.30, Monday 11th of February and you're listening to me, Shemiza, taking it all the way up to 12 o'clock on the Urban Cube. We're going live and direct across Luton's surrounding areas and also um, to the wonderful, wonderful listeners that we have on Link FM in Sheffield and also Peterborough's Salaam Radio. Now, if you're tuning in to the show anywhere else across the country, then please do get in touch. I always want to know where you're listening in from. I hope I'm not the only one in the studio listening to my own voice. It'd be good to know where you're tuning in from, folks. In today's show, as always, we are looking at art for social action and the way art is used uh, as a means to create conversations around topics that are impacting our communities. 
I'm going with a hashtag called Time to Talk, and this is in relation to a mental health awareness campaign which was launched last week. And I'm rolling it over because I do feel that it's a brilliant hashtag. We do need to talk. We need to talk about issues that are impacting not just our mental health and well-being, but our communities as well. So that's my line, my my topic today. Time to talk. Now, this morning I had the absolute pleasure of speaking to no other than Halima Ali. Now, Halima Ali is a name to keep an eye on, observe, and be inspired by. She's a local young lady who is really making a massive big impact through art、um, and creativity as a means, as a tool for social action. She is working on a new exhibition,、um, which is called Twenty Two Seconds to Murder. Wow, it's a bit of a title, but there's a real significance and relevance for this. It's on the back of,、uh, in memory of a knife crime victim, in particular Azan Kalim, who was a victim of a 22 second attack, which sadly resulted in his death. Now she has created、um, a program. Which is happening on the 18th of February at Luton Sixth Form College from 12 to 6 p.m. Which will be a fusion of artwork, performances, a panel discussion, and a demo on self-defense against knife、uh, attacks. Now, if you're interested in attending this event, then you need to go onto the Eventbrite page, which is 22stm.eventbrite.co.uk. It's a free event, open to all. With the hope that you, this will raise conversations. It will enlighten. It will enlighten、um, a, a greater understanding and bring communities together and look at a holistic approach in dealing with knife crime, which is. On the rise, unfortunately. Now, this is not me exaggerating. We are hearing it too often、um, when young people have been either attacked or have unfortunately lost their lives because of it. And more education needs to be done across the community, I believe. And we need to make sure that we are coming together to try and deal with this awful, awful crime or epidemic.、Um, So this morning I had the absolute pleasure of、um, speaking to Halima Ali about this event, and today's show is all about talking, talking about issues that impact us as a community, from mental health and also health and well-being as well. Because I'm also going to be joined by another fantastic guest, Elizabeth Bailey, and she's going to be talking to her,、uh, talking to us about being a breast cancer survivor. Um, last Monday, I had the absolute、um, pleasure of having a, a wonderful guest on the show. We talked about a variety of、um, subjects, but、um, what I wasn't able to do was、uh, talk about National Cancer Day.、Um, and I want to kind of, you know, use that as.、Uh, An opportunity to kind of roll it over and actually speak to somebody in more、uh, detail about cancer as well. Now I have to have to say,、um, could you know? The guests are specialists in their field, but not medical practitioners. So, what I would like you to do is, if you have any concerns, please contact the relevant, the relevant. 
practice professionals, please. Okie doke. Um, on, on the back of um, Halima's interview this morning, she was raising um, a, she's actually highlighting a campaign and she's asking people via a hashtag, if you had 22 seconds to live, what would you do? She's actually inviting people to um, upload videos and hashtag them. So if you had 22 seconds to live, folks, what would you do? It's quite hard hitting, isn't it? Um, it sends shivers down my spine that um, could we maybe think of something? You could think of something serious or you could think of, I don't know, something quirky. I don't know. You tell me. You can contact me on 07779481822 um, to find out, um, you know, to share with me what those thoughts are that you have on today's show. Now, um, uh, the guests on today's show, as I've already had, uh, the very tremendous Halima Ali, an artist and activist who is actually uh, the lady behind this exhibition and um, campaign, 22 Seconds to Murder. It's an exhibition in memory of knife crime victims. I'm also going to be joined by another very, very exciting uh, artist by the name of Shabina Akhtar. And Shabina is uh, working on a very interesting project and in making sure that she's raising awareness uh, of mental health in young people. She's a holistic well-being practitioner and um, she's actually helping young people through the art of creative visualization. So that's another really, really cool um uh, conversation I'm going to be having um, and then I'm going to be joined by a local, local mother um, who's also a breast cancer survivor. Her name is Elizabeth Bailey and she's going to be talking to me about her work in public health across Luton, um, her interest in mental health and well-being and her her PhD as well. She's working on a PhD um, around a social media and political activism. So that's going to be quite an interesting conversation I'm hoping to have with her. Um, if you've just tuned in, folks, you are listening to The Urban Cube with myself, uh, Shamiza, taking all the way up to 12 o'clock. Um, and we're having lots of conversations because it is hashtag time to talk. Now, time to talk is a campaign which was rolled out last week. And the whole objective of this campaign is to make sure that we're having conversations around mental health, but we're actually taking the time to speak more, to, to kind of make greater connections because unfortunately one in four people are impacted by mental health um, and we as a community um, as a radio station we are very passionate in making sure that we reach out to as many as many as many um, artists uh, sorry creatives um, and communities as possible so that we can kind of make sure that we are reaching out to you with the stories and services that matter. Now, somebody um, I have great pleasure in interviewing now is a remarkable woman. I would describe her as a champion, a community champion. Um, she is somebody who works as a social enterprise and community advocate. She works independently to help uh, find solutions um, for 
so many issues that impact the community overall, be that creatively, socially or economically. And I have great pleasure in actually observing her journey across social media and the love, the love she shares for the people around her, regardless of of, uh, culture, faith or, you know, or gender. She is just remarkable. She's been a guest on the show in the past, and it's an absolute pleasure to have her back on. It is no other than Sandra Glenn. Hello and good morning. Oh good morning, Samantha. What a welcome. Thank you. The same back to you, my sister. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I just want to send you a hearty assalamu alaikum, and thank you so much for joining us this morning in, on your busy schedule. You ladies are so busy. Um, how are you, my dear? That's the first thing I want to ask. Very busy. We've just unfortunately laid to rest one of our community elders, Mrs. Stacey Artman. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. It's to sad that. to see that we are losing so many. <sighs> We're only 77. And, with, and we are the next generation. I am the next generation of people in the front line. And obviously, yeah, you can only do so much for the time you have on this earth, my sister. And we are you know? talking about time today because it's time to talk, Sandra. Mm-hmm. Time to talk. And this is on the back of um, mental health, National Mental Health Awareness Campaign. And you're somebody that is very passionate about going out there and talking to people. You don't shy away from making those connections. Um, and I'm going to throw the word mashallah (laughs) and I'm sure you know what that means by now yes Um, yes, I do and the reason why is because I follow your journey and I've been following it for a number of years and a number of young people that you embrace from the community and you kind of you know adopt them as your own what is it about you Sandra why do you feel it's so important in your life to make sure you're having those conversations with people well you know I've, I've had a blessed life and I, I probably didn't appreciate just how blessed my life was until I got into this period of my life. But looking back, I was raised by a two-parent family where my mother was able to stay at home in a time where a woman in the 60s had to go out to work to bring in that extra income. And my father had his own building company and was revered by the community. So he was a very solid foundation and a rock. And there were governors and on the school boards and handing out school trophies in 1966. And here in the Luton area, I went to Lee Grove Infants and Junior School. So having that, and then going straight into London after Barnfield and working in the corporate sector where I was uplifted, unlike many of my peers who were hit over the head and literally couldn't, couldn't rise above that glass ceiling, I, I was one of the ones that got through. And then I went off to America where I've, I've, I've worked for billionaires and I've lived and seen the life. And I didn't want that. I came back home because I don't want that superficial lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I could have stayed there, had it invited you to my yacht or whatever, but that just isn't me. I've come back because I'm a real woman with very simple needs and I wanted to give back my experiences to my local community. So I'm back in Luton for the last 15 years. And I really just want to support those people here to see what they can have and achieve more of their potential. But in the middle of that, you've got so many more of life ills now, just Mm. normal everyday challenges Mm. where people can't feed their children, they can't cope. And as I don't have children of my own, I wasn't blessed with any. I'm just committed to helping people with their children and their problems and to keeping children as safe as possible from some of the burdens of life. But unfortunately... We can't reach enough of them. Too many children now are aware that they're going to be hungry at night, they're going to be cold, they won't have a clean school uniform. 
just the basic things that children should, have, should not have to worry about mm-hmm. are becoming everyday worries. And that's scary. It is scary. And I'm so glad there's somebody like you that is able to recognise um, this impact that it's having on, having on the future generation. And, and it, the campaign today is in light of it's time to talk. And um, we're also talking about another area that is really impacting our youth, and that is knife crime. Um, I've been speaking to Halima Ali, who not only is... Um, uh, an artist, a social activist, but she's also the vice chair of the Bedfordshire Police Panel, if I've said that correctly. Um, And one of the projects that she's doing is 22 Seconds to Murder, a project in memory of knife crime victims, in particular, um, Azan Kalim, who was a victim of a 22 second attack, which sadly resulted in his death. Now, this is quite a, uh, it's a very, very poignant, um, heartbreaking um, project that she's involved in. Somebody so young um, who's taken this on board, but it is impacting our young people. It needs to be, the awareness needs to be raised here. Um, And somebody who's, who, who is part of that community, what's your thoughts on this project that Halima is doing and and also around the issue of knife crime. Well, I applaud Halima because lots of projects needed. It's a multi multi pronged approach. Mm. Um, she's working in in, a, in the area that I, I served in. Mm. I think she's with the Independent Advisory Group. Right. Um, from what I saw, and that she's so I, for, for fourteen years I, I, was, I did the, did a similar role, and I was mm. chair of the Bedfordshire Luton IAG. Mm. But it's a it's a role which gives you an overarching view of the policing side mm-hmm. of the issue as well as the public side. So from where she's sitting, she's very well placed to share as much as possible about both sides of the issues, and to, and to help the public to understand it. So to have a, an event of her own, which I've shared widely, mm-hmm. is is very 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 thoughtful. And it was very useful, and I will certainly attend this event. But um, I think that the, the knife crimes, such as the attack, the horrific attack on his uncle, which took his life, has linked to some elements of mental health and mm-hmm. mental illness. Mm-hmm. And I say that because when you hear the summary, or you, if you have had access to my five weeks of court attendance, You'd have heard the, the 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 jury and the judge deliberate over the amount of marijuana and and skunk these boys had been smoking cannabis, mm-hmm. and the, so for the hours before they attacked Azan Kaleen, they were smoking five to to two spliffs in between the five of the four of them, the four of them in the car. Once that physically did the attack, the attack were not in their full state of mind at the time of that attack, and that has a lot to do with it. A lot of the issues around the knife crime also have to do with the use of drugs. And the drugs are, in, are diminish your ability to think rationally, heighten your sense of reactiveness, and lead to this reckless behaviour that we're seeing on our streets today. So are we blaming the drugs? Um, we're not blaming the, the individual now? No, no, no. I'm blaming the, the, the use of the drugs okay. on, on affecting the impact in the mental health of mm-hmm. those people who make the attacks. If you could have an imprisonment for mental health issues, some of these young people would be assessed differently right. because they they had diminished responsibility in some respects because of the five splits 
five splits in in a three-hour session, and you run out of that car and attack somebody, who's looking at the impact of that sort of behavior mm-hmm. and that sort of use of drugs on someone's reaction? Mm-hmm. And how do we change that culture of thinking that that's, that's right, that's good behavior versus bad behavior? So what's the solution the to this, um, Sandra? Because one, another thing Halima mentioned, she also mentioned poverty. Poverty is impacting the way young people are you know the the way they're behaving and the things that la- they're latching onto um is poverty the core of of knife crime i think this is a poverty and the dumbing down of the value of the the person in society mm-hmm. i think the young people are seeing the playing out of the issues by government, whether it be brexit or it be mm-hmm. universal credit, and they see that the way that they the person is being talked about in the sphere of those discussions. And it's not nice to see the way that the government sometimes diminishes the person and the amount of deficit that are caused mm-hmm. by these benefits and the amount of deficit that are caused by people not having enough food and, and then the, the amount of deficit that are caused by not referring people to food banks for goodness right. sake. They, that's not good for our young people to see or for anybody to see mm-hmm. and it's causing more people to feel that if nobody cares about our life, why not take a life? I think that the, the, the games have a lot to do with it as well. Right. Well, while I was around some people last weekend, we were discussing the impact of desensitizing the way you kill people with all these games that these children play. Right. Young people play games for hours on end mm-hmm. in front of Playstations and, and screens, hours on end after school, and then go out and attack their friends. And I think that the friends won't feel the effect because the, the actual game icon got back up again after you, oh, you don't get back me. up after you be stabbed. Right. Yeah. So it's that desensitization because of, of the impact of these games having. And there has been a lot of correlation and research um, concluded and suggesting that the impact and influence on these type of games and, and crime, there is a link, which is unfortunate. Do you think there needs to be, um, these games need to be questioned more? The content needs to be questioned more? There needs to be like a more of a, a sort of a, a license on what aged young people can actually access these games? I think that there needs to be more control over how young people can mm-hmm. play, the, the, play the more dangerous games. Because the, you know what it's like, when you're, when you're 11, you want to play the 15-year-old game. Right, right. When you're when you're 15, you want to play the 21-plus game. Whatever, whatever limit you give somebody, you want to go higher. Mm-mm. And parents can't control it because the young people share amongst themselves without any knowledge of the parents. And you don't have any idea what your children sometimes are up to when they're in their room <sighs> getting access to download yeah. a link from a friend or something. And this seems to never go away. This is kind of a concern for many, many a parent. Um, it's either you don't... The only solution to that is don't allow any of those games to come in the house. And it's kind of having those rules set so they're not broken and your household is the only way to protect your children. But unfortunately, there's so many other means of accessibility too. Um, you're also somebody who's very, very passionate about art and creative engagement. And you've been involved with many a project and you're continuously promoting through your social media channels on all the great things that are happening across Luton. Um, what What is happening in Luton? Do you see a, a new wave of creativity emerging across the town? I do. I think there's a more... Uh 
acceptance of the arts living side by side now in Luton, or greater acceptance Mm -hmm. than what I saw a few years ago. People have started, particularly with places like the Little Red Creative Studio, Mm -hmm. where you have dance, art and music Mm -hmm. and and spoken word all at the same time in what would have been seen as an art studio. And um, I think that just because the the independent angle is the fueling of the independent spirit is taking over so that people like Amy Vicks are allowed to paint the, the mm. staircases mm. outside of our mall and with the creative studio people and then engaging the public to get involved in having a go. I think we've got more and more of that than ever before. And is this uh, a good thing for young people to get involved with? Do we need to kind of try and encourage more young people to kind of just get involved and show them what's happening around them? Absolutely. I hope the, the word is out and that, that they get a chance to see more and more of the adverts and the engagement for this city of culture building and other things that are happening in Luton mm. and the larger commissions that we have, like some of the street performances. Other people from other towns have told me that it's extraordinary the amount of events that we have in Luton. Oh, wow. If you up from spring to summer. We have a lot more than your average town. Now, I love that you've mentioned that because mm-hmm. having somebody from the outside telling you that, then we must be doing something right as a town. Are we heading the right way for this city of culture uh, prominence that is hopefully going to happen? Um, and could you maybe explain to our listeners what that actually means? For me, uh, are we heading the right way? We've got work to do. Okay. Work to do to engage all of the people that live here. I don't think we get enough involvement from the fringe communities like the Lithuanians and the Estonians and the Moldovians and all those other people. The larger communities get noticed, mm-hmm. the smaller ones not so. It'd be great if we could find a way to engage as many of the artistic types from as many communities as possible. For me, we don't see enough of the African. Mm-hmm. We see a lot more of the Caribbean mm-hmm. but not as much of the African. Let's see if we can bring more of the the margins to the mainstream, yeah. Because you've just mentioned the Lithuanian um, community and could you just mention the other two communities? I've never, I didn't even know they existed in our town. Yeah, see, they're social enterprise. They love social enterprise. They have, there's now a Moldovan shop um, uh, uh, in our local area, I think it's on Manchester Street, or it's on um, the front there of Manchester Street. But but we uh, we have got presence. There's a growing presence of these people, but they don't actually get a, a lot of voice in the arts. And uh-huh. it'd be great if we could somehow bring some because they're quite large numbers. You're talking about maybe more than three to five hundred people from any one of those groups, parts of the thousands now. Wow, how amazing. I see, mm-hmm. until uh, I've heard, oh, you've educated me. And that's what it's all about, is educating and making sure they're being recognised. And people like you are doing that, making that possible, which is absolutely wonderful. Now, if people wanted to connect with you, Sandra, how could they possibly do that? Um, uh, is, what got, are your Facebook, Facebook pages? I've, Yes, I've got a Facebook page, which is Official Sandra. I've got a Twitter account, which is Official Sandra. I've got Diversity and Social Enterprise. And I've also got um, Full Social Good. But the uh, the best way to get me, possibly, is, is the, by email, Good at gmx.com. 
How awesome. Now, folks, if you've just tuned in, I am speaking to no other than community champion extraordinaire, Sandra Glenn. Now, she is a social enterprise and community advocate working independently to help find solutions. Any solution you want to find, this is a lady to go to. And she's an absolute sparkle in our community. And I can say that with, with, with confidence because I've seen the way she works and connects and engages with people. And one thing she's great at doing is talking and making sure that people People are coming together to talk. Um, Sandra, if uh, we are heading off to a break, my darling, could you just tell me if you had 22 seconds to live? I know this sounds really, really quite gruesome saying it, but it's it's part of a hashtag campaign. What would you do? If I had 22 seconds to live, I would, oh, I would send a message out to mankind to be kind to each other. Don't forget to be kind every day. Do something kind. That's beautiful. That's more than enough. Be kind, people. Um, It goes a long way. Thank you, my darling. Thank you, Sandra Glenn, for joining us this morning on the Urban Cube. Thank you, lovely lady. Have a blessed day. Thank you so very much. That was the very awesome Sandra Glenn um, keeping me company this morning on the Urban Cube to basically talk about the importance of talking. We're heading off to a break. And I'll be having some more conversations, but this time with somebody who's passionate about visualization and creativity. So join me straight after this. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Catch a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Assalamu alaikum and good morning. It's 11 o'clock, Monday, 11th of February, and you're listening to me, Shamiza, taking you all the way up to 12 o'clock on this morning and and only on the Urban Cube Show. Brought to you by Inspire FM, inspiring the community. Very early this morning, mashallah. And uh, we are going live and direct across Luton surrounding areas, Peterborough and Sheffield this morning. Now we're talking a time to talk. Yes, time to talk is what we're discussing this morning. It's a hashtag campaign launched um, by a mental health charity last weekend. And I'm continuing the conversation, rolling it over to this week, because I do feel it's extremely important that we keep this conversation going, rolling on subjects that are really valuable um well or influence our lives and to keep those conversations in earshot now on today we've show we've been talking about um an exhibition and um platform to discuss um knife crime I had the pleasure of speaking to Halima Ali, who's an artist and social activist she's on the uh she's a chair vice chair of the Bedfordshire Police Panel. Um, She's also actively involved with uh, creativity for social action across the town. And she has organised a event, uh, a very poignant event called 22 Seconds to Murder. It's a project in memory of knife crime victims, in particular Azan Kaleem. Now, Azan was a victim of a 22 second attack, which sadly resulted in his death. The event on Monday, 18th of February at Luton Sixth Form College from 12 to 6 p.m. will be a fusion of artwork, performances, a panel discussion and a demo on self-defence against knife attack. If you're interested in attending, go on to the event 
Eventbrite page. It's 22stm.eventbrite.co.uk. This event promises to be an opportunity to kind of raise awareness, to be educated, to take a holistic approach on this issue of knife crime, which is greatly impacting everybody across the town in one way or another. Um, and it's something that I'm really, really, I t- I've taken great pleasure in actually interviewing Halima, mashallah. It's something that I'm so delighted that she's actually um, w- working towards in raising awareness and and maybe it could help save somebody's life, inshallah, inshallah, um, at this event. Also had the great pleasure of speaking to another tremendous, tremendous uh, champion, community champion, who is also raising awareness of issues impacting our youth. It's no other than Sandra Glenn, and I spoke to her. Spoke to her about her work as a social and independent community ad- advocate, and she's had a wealth of experience across uh, the the town uh, um, in sort of communicating and engaging with. Um, the margin communities as well as the the predominant communities across Luton Town. Um, And I asked her, I asked her, if you had 22 seconds to live, what would she do? And she said she'd throw out kindness, throw out kindness, as simple as that. Um, And it is about being kind. And one thing I think leads to being kind is also talking to people with kindness, um, sharing kind words. It makes such a massive big difference in your day-to-day life if you're able to do that. Um, you know, you don't, we don't know what people are going through. But if you can say a kind word, it can really start off your day on a good start, really, um, and really kind of lift somebody's spirit. Mashallah. Now, the conversation around talking is not going to stop, obviously, because you know I've always got a lot to say. It is four minutes past 11, Monday, 11th of February, and I'm going to be joined by another awesome, awesome guest, but all the way from Peterborough this morning. I am joined by a the very awesome, awesome um, guest who is super, super passionate about holistic well-being. And she's a, uh, a fabulous creative who has a real passion for therapeutic interventions and she loves to share her knowledge and skills and experience to benefit everyday people. And the way she does this is through a well-being program, which is a short um, selection of workshops focusing on spiritual and mental strength, which I think is awesome for today's topic because we are talking about mental well-being on this show this morning. Um, she is working on on a project which aims to focus on issues affecting teenagers and things like exam pressure and interestingly enough there are going to be lots of young people across the country across the town and across the country who will be going and sitting through their exams um, very very shortly my goodness so I think this is a really really awesome guest this morning um, to talk to especially as she's actually going to be talking to me about the art of creative visibility visualization. Um, I have great pleasure inviting no other than the very awesome Shabina actor on the show this morning. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. How are you this morning, my dear? Oh, I'm very, very well, thank you. I, I'm just, I'm so humbled by the introduction there. <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you so much. Was it full of enough colour? Because I know you're about bright colours. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I don't um, think you could get any more colourful than that. Oh, bless you. What I want to ask you is, Shabina, today is National Clean Up Your Computer Day. Are you somebody that actually, like, you know, cleans the work surface around you where your laptop or your computer is spaced? Or uh, do you clean the keys? Do you have any hacks on how you keep your computer clean? Or don't, can't, you bother, can't you be bothered like me? Well, I I work, my environment is very important to me mm-hmm. when I'm working. Um, so the area around my laptop is always very clean and decluttered Ooh. because um, that helps me focus. However, the laptop itself, that's another story. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not go there. Let's get so clean. Oh, bless I would you. Say probably every few months or something when I can That's actually climb on there. That's good. That's good. You've done well. I'm mindful of cookies and cupcakes and, and children's fingerprints. That's what mine is full yeah. of. And and what <laughs> today's um, interview or today's show is all about time to talk. And you're somebody that's very, very passionate about infusing creativity and talking. Um, and you have a really interesting holistic approach to this as a holistic well-being practitioner. And one thing that you're focusing on is um, basically uh, working with young people as part of the um, Lantern Initiative. It's a program of trying to get young people to kind of manage their stress levels. Tell us more. Yeah. I'm really intrigued. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think mental health in itself um, is a subject which hasn't really been um, talked about very much um, recently, but now we are starting mm-hmm. to talk about it more, um, which is great. It's great. Um, and especially children's mental health. Um, you know, children themselves, they these days, their lives are so stressful. They've got their schoolwork going on. They've got peer groups. They've got families, family pressure, um, even identity pressure. Um, you know, some teen- teenagers can be going through bullying, all sorts of different, um, you know, areas in their lives uh, that can lead to them worrying. It can lead to them feeling stressed. Um, and also, you know, as we know, that that's not healthy for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so these particular workshops are aimed at those um, teenagers dealing with these kind of things, exams coming up, uh, you know, and naturally they're quite worried about that sort of thing. And the workshops teach them how to, practical strategies Mm -hmm. to deal with stress, things that they can do at home that will really help them recognize what is going on in their lives. For instance, we talk about what is stress, you know, what there's good, bad, there's stress, there's bad stress. And we'll talk about that and then they'll get to learn, um, you know, how a little bit of stress can be quite healthy for me. And, you know, however... Oh, can can stress be healthy for you? Yeah, yeah, this is it. You see, what it is, is it's like a prompt, like an Mm -hmm. alarm clock. Mm -hmm. And and it tells us that, okay, now I need to do this. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. If we didn't have that little prompt, um, you know, quite often we can... Um, miss deadlines, we can forget things because we don't have that get up and go to actually get things done. So a little bit of certain types of stress is good for us in helping us manage our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, It's when we ignore that stress and it builds up um, that it can become quite dangerous 
and quite unhealthy. Um, so, yeah, and that's really um, the point, uh, you know, which we don't want our, our youngsters to reach. Um, and that's why we're teaching them um, practical ways to deal with that stress um, and combat it before it does really, you know, get to a point where they're feeling the physical pain of it. You know, they can get muscular aches, they can get headaches. Um, as well as emotionally they Mm -hmm. can um, you know it can lead to anxiety and depression. So what can we expect at this workshop and I understand it's actually happening in Peterborough. Yes yeah it's um, it's a new concept at the moment it's not something that's been done before and it's quite unfortunate that it isn't covered in schools as well. Mm. I am trying to get um, you know to raise awareness about these types of things so that schools can take it on board as well because I think it would be great if even teachers spent a little bit of time talking about mindfulness and mm-hmm. you know and things that um, that youngsters can adapt in their own homes to really help them deal with stressful situations um, but yes the, the workshop itself um, really teaches you about confidence building there's some group work going on um, so there's a lot, a lot going on in, in just the two hours that we have. Mm-hmm. So it's quite jam-packed. Wonderful. And where is this going to be held and when is it happening? Yeah, um, it's at the Alama Iqbal Centre. And I can uh, send you the details of this um, so that you can have them available as well. Uh, the Alama Iqbal Centre in Peterborough. And it's on the, oh, just got to double check. It's on the 17th of March. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is between 3 to 5 p.m. 3 to 5 p.m. Alama Iqbal Centre in Peterborough on the 17th of March. Um, And this is a mental health well-being workshop sessions to enable young people to kind of manage their stress levels, which I think is a very much needed program, especially as we're seeing a lot more research suggesting that, you know, young children as young as three are being impacted by stress stress and the impact of social media that is happening having on the social anxiety levels of young people do you think social media the use of um social media is impacting higher levels of stress in young people oh absolutely i mean especially um things like you know you've got people that they follow on instagram certain you know celebrities or you know Instagram stars or whatever you want to call it um, you know that a lot of young people aspire to be like mm-hmm. you know and a, a lot of this is not real it's it's not attainable you know for everyday people they could be you, you know a lot of them are like um, their pictures are distorted they use filters and and our youngsters are actually trying to make themselves look like these people and it's not really achievable um you know because these images aren't real um and so obviously that can lead to a lot of stress um, and especially for girls definitely and, and you know, um how does it... they need to look a certain way when really they don't and how does it make you feel when you hear that young people or people generally are actually using their filter images to get the perfect face uh, via plastic surgery Oh gosh. <laughs> well, you know, each to their own, I guess. You know, if you if you have the ability to do that and you want to do that to yourself, that's fair enough. But I think the damage is is caused when 
youngsters especially uh, look up to that person for whatever reason Mm -hmm. you know and they think that I need to look that way in order to be attractive right you know or to be accepted in society I have to look that way that that's what I don't that doesn't sit comfortably Mm -hmm. with me Mm -hmm. especially as you're a parent as well and the impact as as mothers um, and how we kind of define beauty is really really important to educate to our children boys and girls um what's uh, fascinating is uh, and very interesting to find out that instagram is actually regulating now more so social media uh, pages that are showing self-harm uh, and, and suicide because it is imp- it actually impacted um and took one young girl's life how does that make you feel um that's like Instagram has taken some form of responsibility in, in making yeah. sure that not uh, no other lives are being lost. Should it take greater responsibility? Should there be more vetting of, of these pages? Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think the fact that they have even acknowledged that is, mm. a, is a breakthrough in itself, yeah. you know, and that's great. And I think they should be praised for that. Mm. Um, you know, and other platforms like Facebook and um, uh, Snapchat, they, they could follow suit. That of would course. be amazing. Uh, because um, that's where it all starts. It's just like a ripple in the ocean, isn't it? Mm. And that gets people talking, and that can lead to so many other great things. So firstly, I'd like to acknowledge them for that, Mm. Um, and that's great. I think the more it's recognised how damaging it can be, Um, more will be done about it, uh, you know, and I think it's it's amazing that they are starting to recognise that because, and it's just sad that it took the loss of someone's life, you know, to get to that point, that that's the sadness in that. That is. Um, however, you know, sometimes it does take something as drastic as that for people to take action and for people to actually take responsibility. Folks, if you're listening into the show, you it is the Urban Cube. The time is 11.16 and I'm joined by the very fabulous uh, Shabina actor who is a holistic well-being practitioner from Peterborough and she's talking to me about um, an event that's happening on the 16th of March at the Alama Iqbal Centre in Peterborough via the Lantern Initiative in actually helping young people to understand and manage their stress levels. Now if you are a young person listening into the repeat of the show this evening because I'm sure you're at college or school right now um, or if you're a parent listening in then I do think this could be an event that um, could support um, the the health, mental health levels or managing stress for any young person that's actually sitting their exams. And they're going to be loads. There will be lots of young people. And that's one thing that a lot of parents find very, very hard is kind of trying to calm their young person down, their child down. Um, But who calms the parent down? Because it's very stressful for the parent as well. So is there anything for parents, Shabina, that you could provide? Oh, absolutely. And I can totally relate to this. I had um, my daughter doing her A-levels um, and my son was doing his GCSEs at the same time. Oh, wow. Wow, wow. So how did you manage your stress levels? <laughs> it was a bit crazy. <laughs> but I guess it, it's recognising that it's all about them and not me mm-hmm. um, at that particular time. It, it was to do with their well-being and helping them and supporting them to get through that stressful time. Um, so what I did was I spent alone time with each of them, Ooh. making sure that they're okay, making sure that, you know, if there's anything I can do. 
I guess what I was trying to do is take away any external stresses, um, you know, as much as I could as a parent, Uh um, so that they can focus on, you know, um, what it was that they needed to do. And I think as a parent, we can create the environment, um, you know, which will lead to our our youngsters being able to focus on the task mm. in hand. Mm. I guess that's the most that a parent can do. Um, and also um, talking about it, talk, talk to your children about what's going on at school, mm. if there's anything worrying them. Um, have that conversation. Because if we, as, as a parent, if we don't um, bring it up, our children are very, it's very unlikely that they're going to say, mum, Oh, can we talk about this? Yes, yes. You know, because I think we have to instigate mm. that, you know, um, create the environment where children can talk to us freely about what is going on and what they're worried about. And then, you know, hopefully we can help, even if it's just listening. And I think you've raised a really, really valuable point there. And and this show today is about time to talk. It's about having those conversations, those important conversations that are not readily discussed. And especially as a parent, we need to be conversing more with our children, especially in testing times like the exam period, but also uh, issues... Every day, you know, from the beginning, when they go start school, just to find out that they are safe and happy, um, any concerns that they have. And uh, Shabina, thank you for sharing that, because I think that's really, really valuable. Do you think you've had to reword the way you say things as well? Because I had the um, I found a lovely uh, post on Insta uh, in social media that I shared on my Instagram, which looked at the way we use words and how we address the way we speak to our children. Just changing the way we we say things can make um, a massive uh, difference. For example, instead of saying be quiet, can you use a softer voice or what a mess? It looks like you had fun and how can we clean up? Another thing was, do you need help? I'm here to help you if you need me. Um, And just, you know, stop crying. Instead, say it's okay to cry. Um, Just, or you're okay. Or uh, and change that to how are you feeling enables more of a conversation to be had. And I've actually learned this and it's really made a difference in my household. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and, uh, what I got from that was also like, how we can say things in a certain way, not meaning it mm. to be negative. Mm. However, you know, a child could say, could could hear that in a different way. They could hear that as, as a negative point. And um, so, yeah, very, very, um, absolutely, it's very important, the words that we choose and the phrases that we choose, mm. the tone of our voice, mm. um, you know, all of these things, it's really, really important uh, for us to be careful how we, speak to our, you know, youngsters in particular, especially if they're going through a stressful Mm, time, mm. because they're going to be hypersensitive anyway, especially around exam time, Um, you know, and if we we are really just trying to help, but sometimes the way that we say it can come across like there's more of a problem when there really isn't. Mm, mm. And just language and those barriers to language can be really lifted and alleviated in just knowing how to address this. And and when we've when we've worked out and worked very very stressed ourselves, we can we mm-hmm. we sometimes don't are not able to kind of see how we are addressing a situation. So it's kind of a lesson uh, uh, for everyone, really. And um, yeah, and sometimes I need to do a check on myself. But I found that post very, very inspiring. Just the simple way of turning words around can make a massive big 
difference, mashallah. Now, on the show today, we're speaking to uh, Shabina Akta, who is a holistic well-being practitioner. And we're going to find out from her a little bit more about what um, creative visualization is, because that's something that you're working um, towards with young people. Yeah. Yes, it is. Absolutely. I um, Creative visualizations have been around for many, many years, centuries. Um, and um, it is a form of mindfulness. Um, and a lot of youngsters haven't actually, as we get older, we come across these things. You know, I'm sure a lot of the adults listening, you know, have probably done a guided meditation or heard about it at least. Um, but for a lot of our youngsters, it's, uh, it's a totally new concept. Um, and it's amazing. It's just amazing because it it helps them to quieten their mind and 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 to really relax. And um, you know when when it can be very difficult, you know, to relax when you're undergoing undergoing stress. So yeah, I'll um, let me just explain what they are first of all. So a creative visualization is like a guided meditation. Um, and for instance. A few years ago when I first started meditating, I found it really, really hard. I couldn't, like, calm my mind. There was always, I was always thinking about something. I'd be trying to meditate and I'd be thinking, oh, um, what do I need to, what am I cooking tonight? Or what shopping do I need for the house? And, you know, these kind of thoughts. Your brain doesn't switch off. (laughs) No, it really didn't. I found it so hard. Um, and then I came across guided meditation and creative visualization, um, which is where you are guided through the meditation. Um, so you create the environment in terms of you might want some therapy music playing or you might just want to sit quietly. Mm. Um, and then you listen to the meditation as it guides you to a really beautiful place where it helps you visualize yourself calming down and you what you'll find is not only does it calm your mind but it also calms your you physically as well your body will feel relaxed and you won't be thinking about things like what am I cooking tonight and you know those kind of thoughts that come into your head it just totally disappears Um, and it's a great way of just clearing your mind when you are undergoing um, stress and anxiety it's a lovely way to actually do that it, and it also, it's also mindfulness in that mm. it gives us time for ourselves. So for the youngsters on these workshops, for instance, they will learn how important it is to take time out for me. Take time out for yourselves. Mm. Put yourselves first. Um, a, lot, a lot of them don't really do that. Because they um, don't know how to. They've not been taught that and they've not been. Yeah, and, yeah. and we, you know, at such a young age, like, what does that actually mean? But um, I am about to fall asleep listening to you because you've really relaxed <laughs> me this morning. Uh, Shabina, I want to say thank you so very much for joining me this morning and sharing your holistic well-being approach to uh, alleviate, alleviating stress amongst young people at this workshop that, via the Lantern Initiative. You can go on the Lantern an initiative Facebook page it'll be there um, I wanted to ask you we're, we're throwing over this hashtag via an event that's happening called 22 seconds of murder I know it's quite intense but I wanted to ask you mm. if you had 22 seconds to live what would you say to people oh around gosh. you I know you've got 23 seconds <laughs> darling you need to be quick because I'm going to a break <laughs> okay I would say share love oh that's what I wrote down. Share love. That's what I would do. And I guess we do that anyway, don't we? Everywhere we of go. Course. But I would, 
I, I would make a point of doing, doing that's that. That's wonderful, really, my so darling. People know they're loved. Thank you. And we're heading off to a break. Thank you so very much, Shabina, for sharing the love this morning. Assalamu alaikum. Be inspired. Inspire FM. Catch a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Good morning and assalamu alaikum. It's 11.30 exactly, Monday 11th of February and you're listening to me, Shemiza, taking you all the way up to 12 o'clock this morning on Where Else. It's the Urban Cube Show, of course, keeping you inspired with motivational conversations um, and creativity this morning with a wonderful panel of guests who've all joined me over the phone. So Facebook Live is just the audio rather than images this morning, but you can catch the repeat as well this evening at 8pm and we're also Podbean, Spotify and iTunes. You can't miss the show. It's not possible. On today's show, I'm joined by um, some tremendous guests. And the reason why they're with me is because we are talking about it's time to talk. Yes, it's time to talk. Now, hashtag time to talk is uh, rolling over nationally. It started last week and it's a mental health campaign to raise awareness of mental health issues and get people talking. And that's what we're not doing. We're not talking enough about those issues that actually concern us. Um, And so this national campaign was about getting people to sit together and talk and just start the conversation with the smallest, slightest thing and just make those wonderful, valuable connections. Now, I had the pleasure of meeting a wonderful lady called uh, Lisa at the weekend, and she was talking about how her company was actually going around with a trolley with tea and serving people tea in the company and just encouraging people to talk, encouraging them to engage with conversations and just making a difference by just sitting and talking to somebody that they don't generally talk to. So that really does make a difference. And just, you know, try it, you know, try speaking to somebody new this morning. See if it makes a difference to your well-being and theirs as well. So today's show, it's time to talk and we're talking about topics that are actually impacting our mental health and well-being as well this morning. I had the pleasure of speaking to Halima Ali this morning about a campaign that she is hoping to raise awareness around um, knife crime. Her exhibition is called 22 Seconds to Murder um, and it's in memory of knife crime victims. It's actually happening on Monday, 18th of February at Luton Sixth Form College from 12 to 6 p.m. And it's a fusion of artwork, performances and a panel discussion and a demo on self-defence against knife crime. So if you're interested in participating or attending this event, please go onto the Eventbrite page, which is 22stm.eventbrite.co. UK. I also had the pleasure of speaking to another delightful guest. It was no other than Sandra Glenn. Sandra Glenn is a social and independent community advocate and she's another delightful champion across the community that is actually making time to speak to speak to everybody and anybody. If you know Sandra you know she doesn't shy away from conversations and one thing that she does beautifully is really connecting with the students across the town and embracing them as her own. Um, I follow her on social media and Facebook and I just love the way she engages and encourages people to to talk. And she basically said if she um, if she, you know, it, it is about that engagement um, 
also spoke to the very, very awesome Shabina Akhtar, who's a holistic well-being practitioner. And she spoke about making sure that we kind of look at the way we're speaking uh, and the words that we use. And, and I have this lovely little image, infograph, that I've put on my social media and how we change the words we use to communicate with our uh, our children. And with the reason why we we're talking about this is because she is a holistic well-being practitioner and she's actually raising awareness of, of um, stress management amongst young people. Now, a lot of young people will be sitting their exams very, very shortly and they will need to know how to manage and alleviate those stress levels. And interesting, she made a point of saying that some stress levels are actually healthy. Um, so I was quite intrigued to hear about that. Now, you can catch the repeat at 8 p.m. this evening. If there's anything you've missed or go onto the Facebook Live as well and 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 sort of listening in to those conversations too. But it doesn't stop there. We are talking about time to talk on today's show. Last Monday was National Cancer Awareness Week and I touched upon it lightly. So I'm, um, I have great pleasure in speaking to another amazing guest, a local mum who's on the show this morning over the phone. Um, it is no other than Elizabeth Bailey. Now, Elizabeth Bailey, like I say, she's a local Luton mum. She actually works for the Luton Public Health Team, where she's a, she has a specialist interest in both cancer and mental health education. She is a breast cancer survivor herself. She is also a campaigns ambassador for a national charity um, around cancer research. And she has worked with politicians nationally and locally to help achieve major policy and legislative, I can't even say that word this morning, (laughs) changes such as standardised cigarette packaging. And she's currently completing a PhD at the University of Bedfordshire. So I have great pleasure in inviting Elizabeth on the show this morning. Good morning. Hello, how are you? I'm so very well, even more so hearing your sparkly voice this morning. It's it's all about talking, 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 and I'm very good at that, and you are too. (laughs) I certainly am, yes. (laughs) Thank you so very much, Elizabeth, for joining me this morning and to kind of sharing with me this um, very... um, about cancer awareness, something that is mm. very, very close to you. You are a breast cancer survivor. Yeah, yeah. I'm so delighted to hear that, you know, you are better and well and, and sharing the importance of screening. Mm. But I do also want to point out to our listeners today that if there are, if you have any concerns, please do go to a medical professional um, and mm-hmm. get the right, uh, get the correct support that's, um, that you, you need. Um, but once again, thank you, Elizabeth, for joining us this morning. And how, and how are you, my dear? I'm very well. Um, I've, it's nine years this mm. month. Um, since my original cancer diagnosis. And, and in 2010, I went through quite a lot of treatment, mm-hmm. um, ke- chemotherapy, radiotherapy, surgery. Wow. Uh, it was quite a gruelling year, but I came through it. And nine years later, I'm still here to tell the tale. So I'm very fortunate. But I, the most important point is, uh, is that I was diagnosed in time for them to do something right. about it. And I'm I'm so grateful to hear that. I'm so delighted that you're well. Um, and but still, there are lots of women and men who are not mm. having these conversations or are not going to see their that you know a medical profession professional. And what advice could you give to them? And and what sort of and what policy changes are you trying to bring about? Well, there's a number of things. Um, one of the problems in Luton and around the country is that 
uh, we, not as many people as we ideally like are, are attending screening programs. Yeah. And the three national screening programs for cancer are for bowel cancer, breast cancer and cervical cancer. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Luton is like a lot of le- more deprived communities in that it's got very low levels of, of cervical, uh, or it's got comparatively low levels of uh, cervical screening take-up, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll be campaigning in the Public Health England in the spring to encourage better take-up of that. So mm-hmm. really I'd encourage people to engage with screening programs. Mm-hmm. There are concerns around them being uncomfortable or mm-hmm. embarrassing or intrusive or maybe people have taboos about their body but really uh, if you get di- a cancer diagnosis what happens to you becomes a lot more intrusive and it's really better to catch it early and have your treatment options there for right, you. Right and is there any way of making that intrusive examination a little bit more sort of less intrusive? Um, do medical practitioners kind of take into account um, say, uh, religious sensitivities or anything as such? Well, you can certainly demand, a, um, certainly ask for, demand basically a, um, a practitioner of your own gender. So if okay. you're a woman, you can have a woman performing the examination. Mm-hmm. Um, medical professionals are trained um, to treat patients with dignity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know this because I've had, um, as well as my breast cancer experience, I've had, um, you know, I've had bowel screening with a scope, and it is quite intrusive. And mm-hmm. um, I was treated with great dignity. I had a, a chaperone. Um, I, you know, had a female practitioner. You can ask for all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main thing is to get around any taboos that these, I, I guess, these, these procedures are doing anything yeah. to you that alters the way you are. They're not. They're, they're basically there to keep an eye on your health and protect Mm -hmm. you from serious disease. So why do people feel it's still a taboo to kind of go and get themselves checked out? What is it that's stopping them doing so? There's different reasons that people don't go. Um, There are generally people find it difficult to find the time if they're busy Mm -hmm. um, or they put it off or they're scared that it will hurt Mm -hmm. or they, you know, they believe it will be painful. Um, They're shy about their bodies because... All of those um, procedures involve quite intimate parts of your body, don't they? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's normal human reluctance. And certainly if you're talking about colorectal procedures, people think, oh, maybe it's dirty. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of perfectly human reservations and taboos around it. Um, so really what I mean, we're saying, the message is loud and clear. Don't die of embarrassment because... You can be helped through any of your discomfort around these procedures. Mm-hmm. It's vitally important if, if, you're, if you're at risk of cancer that you get diagnosed early. And there does seem to be more statistics suggesting a greater number of um, younger and younger people impacted by um, cervical cancer, bowel cancer, um, more so than I've ever seen in, you know, across my, the years I've lived, well, which is really worrying. One of the... It, they have, they have different causes and different mm-hmm. sort of prevalence, as we say. Bowel cancer, we're all living longer, mm-hmm. and most people who get bowel cancer are older people. That's not to say young people don't get it, right. they do. Mm-hmm. But the vast majority who get it are older people. And as we live longer, more of us will get it. It's just a matter of numbers. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, m- almost all cervical cancers are called by, caused by the HPV virus. Um, so... 
people have different habits in their relationships and whether they have boyfriends or they're married and all of that kind of thing. Um, but the, the HPV virus is very, very, very common in society. Mm-hmm. And I, personally, you might, as an individual, have certain, make certain lifestyle choices that you don't do certain things. But it doesn't mean that people you come into contact with don't. And it's always worth protecting yourself with the HPV vaccine and your daughters. And in fact, your sons as well. It'll soon be available for boys as well. And the HB vaccine is, is something new that the schools have um, been introducing, I think, the last couple of years. And there seems well, to... Well, it's been going for quite a while. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. I, I suppose maybe because I have children now that are, mm. are have been mm. offered it. So I'm just thinking, oh, this is new. I've not known this whilst I was at school. No. So is so as a campaign, um, a mm. cancer awareness campaign ambassador, what is it that you're, you, you do? What is it that you're hoping will be achieved by your role and, and where do you go to kind of raise awareness right well I'm a patient advocate basically so I've been through that experience myself mm-hmm. and I've got an interest in government and politics generally that's been my my work throughout my life so I go and engage with politicians literally everyone from local councillors to people in the house of lords and persuade them of the policy priorities of the charity I work for which is Cancer Research UK mm-hmm. And the absolute biggest campaign I've been involved in a couple of years ago was the standardisation of cigarette packets. You know, nowadays, yes. they've all got plain packets. Wow, wow. So I had a big, you know, I was very much involved in that campaign and I was on, uh, you know, media and I, I saw Gavin Shook at the House of Commons. Oh, she's a bit of a celebrity, this one. <laughs> No, I just, you know, I've, all my life, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm an, it, the point is, I'm... I am an ordinary woman. I'm an ordinary wife and mother, but I shout loud, as you can hear. <laughs> so, uh, and those ordinary voices of ordinary people are crucially important because you can go to people in positions of power yes, and say, yes. this is what's happened to me. And, you know, this, and if I talk about HPV vaccine or cervical screening, mm-hmm. I'll say, I have two daughters. Right. This is crucial. Um, and it's, you know, it's something I like to do because I'm a communicator by background. Mm. That's the work I've done for most of my life. So, you know, why not use those skills to draw attention to things that really matter? And today is about time to talk and you're the perfect person mm. for that because you are raising you are raising awareness of um, mm. a critical, critical um, mm. area which is impacting so many lives mm. and will continue to impact. So I'm so grateful mm. that we have your experience and that mm. you're sharing um, your personal journey with us this morning. Um, and how can people get in touch with yourself, Elizabeth, if they have any concerns and they want to kind of be screened and they want to get in touch with a medical professional? What should they be doing? Well, it, initially, you need to go to your GP. Mm-hmm. We have the, the national screening programmes, um, anybody who's registered with a GP will automatically be included when they're in the right age band. Right. Um, so you'll get sent an invitation. So, for example, for cervical screening, you're sent invitations for three year appoint- three yearly appointments between the age of 25 and 49. Mm-hmm. And then over 50, it's every five years. Um, and you were sent letters centrally from a national database. So you'll right. get plenty of uh, re- reminders about that. Mm-hmm. If you are concerned in between, if you have symptoms, and cancer symptoms be things like lumps, bleeding, coughing, you know, range of symptoms, 
and it's not normal for you, mm-hmm. then you can see your GP at any time. And, and I would say be very assertive because you know what's normal for your own body. Right. And, you know, GPs are busy mm-hmm. and they actually a lot of their business isn't, they don't see that many cancer cases. So they don't, they're not necessarily looking for them. So you really need to stand your ground. Because some of the wow. cancers, mm-hmm. um, the symptoms are very vague. Um, basically, as a basic rule of thumb, cancers that are more hidden in your body, like ovaries, pancreas, mm-hmm. and so on, mm-hmm. they're, they're, the symptoms can be very vague and be confused with other things. So you need to be sure in your mind that what you're experiencing isn't normal. And, and really stand your ground. When you say stand your ground, what do you what what does stand your ground mean? Is it like, look, I'm not happy with the the first check. I want a second opinion. Um, you need to send me to the hospital. Um, what does it mean? What should you be doing? Well, I think, and, and I'm, I'm not I'm not casting any negative aspersions on a, a great local GP service. Mm. I'm just saying that um, sometimes people are shy about and they don't want to make a fuss. Mm, mm. So if you... Ovarian cancer, for example, the symptoms are a little bit like irritable bowel syndrome. You get bloating and you get poor appetite and things like that. And for a GP, listening to those symptoms, they might say this patient has irritable bowel syndrome and something Mm -hmm, like that. mm -hmm. You need to be you need to articulate your concerns and say, I think it's something else and keep going back. Um, Because in any case, you know, a GP will always look for the most obvious explanation of things. I, I, my breast lump, when I first had it, um, went to the GP with it, I went to the GP with Sonny Gelson mentioned as an afterthought. Um, And my brilliant GP, Nazarene Azark from uh, Butte House, you know, she, she said, I think it's a cyst or something like that, but we'll send you anyway. Right. Thank heaven she did, blimey, because, you know, it could have killed me. Um, <sighs> Thank goodness it didn't. Then, and you're here. Yeah, exactly. Healthy. But, you know, I'm, as you know, I'm quite a confident, articulate person. You, you wouldn't. But some people are shy and yes, they haven't that confident. They see somebody in a doctor's coat and they feel mm. they should show deference or something. I don't mm, know. Mm, mm. And it's about saying, listen. I know the sun it wrong, you know. And you did, and um, and now you're sharing that story and encouraging mm. people. If you have any concerns, folks, do go and see your GP um, and um, raise the awareness. Um, st- start that day. Start that. This week, if needs be, uh, or today, mm. or now, um, but get make sure you do so because we are talking time to talk, and time to talk is a national campaign which was launched last week, and so was National um, uh, Cancer Day was also Actually, launched. World Cancer Day. World Cancer. Oh, I need to yeah, get that not, correct. And no, that's all right, but it, you know, it's a, it's basically a reflection of the burden of disease caused by cancer across the world is wow, you know, probably wow. the second biggest killer of people worldwide. And and how successful has that been? Has has that got people talking? Do you think, have you seen any statistics seeing people going and getting themselves checked out? It's hard to tell at this. I, mean, okay. I go on social media a lot. I'm interested mm-hmm. in it. And I, I saw a lot of um, conversation about World Cancer Day. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're all, you're all having to counteract a lot of nonsense. People talk about cancer as well. Right. I, I think over time, it's like with mental health, we've become more open about it mm-hmm. and less, um, it's less of a taboo to talk about it. 
for some people, maybe older people and in some communities, there are still elements of taboo mm-hmm. around talking about mental health and cancer, you know, and it's really coming out here and saying you need, you save your life by being open. Mm-hmm. And you've just talked about being somebody that likes to talk a, a lot mm. and, and social media. You have an interest mm. in that. And that's actually part of your PhD because you're an academic right. doing PhD research. Tell us more. What are you researching? <laughs> I've been, I've, I've almost completed and I've spent the last four years studying. You'll love this. It's really funny. It's how people's lived experience of talking about politics on social media. Wow. And I've, <laughs> and I've covered like three. It's in the UK, because I've had to combine it, and I've covered like major events like the Scottish referendum, the EU referendum, the the Labour leadership debate, and the the last general election. And it's basically a time when people have become very polarised and argumentative, and and it's it's just the most interesting environment. So I went around the country and I spoke to about 84 people in groups or individually, and in Scotland, spoke to people in Wales you know and and ask them about how, how did how did you experience this what what it was like what was it like for you uh, are totally fascinating. What for me, you know. So, so what's the conclusion? Are we becoming more vocal as a society and our political views more so on social media than we would generally sort of share that in, in a public well, forum, face to face? Everybody, more or less everybody I spoke to said, you know. People talk differently to each other on social media. Mm. It's not like being in the pub or the mm. cafe or whatever. You say things. People say things they would never dream of saying face to face because they've become true. like keyboard warriors. Oh yeah, it's an, <laughs> it's, it's it's hilarious. I I got you know people's. I've got a section in my thesis about um, people had really major family rifts and, and rifts oh, with gosh. their friends and stuff. No, I, I spoke. To, you know. I spoke to a lady who um, was adopted at birth, you know, and uh, 35 years later met her birth mother. And um, they struck up a really good relationship. And and then they fell out over Brexit. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. I know, but wow. there's lots of things like this. And people just... And it's real. It's very real because that's not the first time I've heard that. <laughs> no, I know. And um, somebody didn't speak to their mother for six months and just... The human stories of of uh, conflicts caused by this, and it, I think it's basically it's an t- entirely new environment, and we're we're only just learning to adapt to it as as humans with human brains and human habits and behavior it's it's fascinating but it is an environment mm. social media is mm. an environment that is actually mm. having more impact on our lives than we would like yeah. to believe it i suppose the mental health of our children yeah. has been impacted life exactly. has been lost mm. as well because of the influence of social yeah. media it can either make well, yeah. you or mm. break you on how you manage it mm. and um yeah my goodness, and you've done a whole PhD research on it. That's a read. I want to read that. That is seriously something to read about. Politics. I mean, you know, people talking about talking about politics is difficult anyway. It's yes. recognised that it's oh. one of the things you don't talk about. Polite, you know. In, yeah. You don't talk about it. Um, so that on social media is. You know, it's very combustible. It is. Uh, so. so you must <laughs> be on your laptop uh, quite a bit. And it is National Clean Up Your Computer Day. So what does your a word processor, your keyboard actually look like? Is it sparkly clean? Are you going to take today to clean it because it's National Clean Up Your Computer Day? 
<laughs> what do you mean get rid of it? No, I've got 9,000 tabs open, but then that's like my head, you know. <laughs> I love that. 9,000 tabs. That's exactly how my brain operates. Oh, my know, goodness. Yeah. Now, yeah. we're also asking everybody... Um, Mm. I hope oh gosh I hope this doesn't offend you in any way we it's 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 part of like this campaign 22 seconds to murder and um Halima is doing a hashtag the lady behind this exhibition and she's actually um asking if you had 22 seconds to to live what would you say to people what what's the message you would give to people I had 22 seconds to live I would say don't take things too seriously. Mm-hmm. Enjoy your life. I think it's a sin not to enjoy your life. And there is so much pleasure to be taken in life that you should never, ever feel bad about taking it. Obviously, you should be considerate of others mm-hmm. and not cause them any pain where you can possibly avoid it. But enjoy your life. My mum said that to me before she died. She said, enjoy your life. It's really important. Bless you. Thank you so very much, Elizabeth, for joining me this morning. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. And I hope you'll be joining us in the studio live to share your, um, once you've got your PhD um, yeah. on uh, social, you know, social media and, and politics. Yeah. It sounds so intriguing. And thank you so very much this morning for being part of the Time to Talk um, campaign where we're get, encouraging people to talk about mental health, well-being and, mm. and health as well for World Cancer yeah. Day. Thank you so very much. It's a pleasure. Thank you. That was Elizabeth Bailey talking to us about her experience as a breast cancer survivor and an ambassador for uh, for uh, cancer as well as part of a, a charity and encouraging people to go and get themselves screened. Today was quite a poignant show. It was all about time, uh, time to talk um, about mental health, well-being, uh, knife crime and breast um, uh, cancer and cancer overall as well. Um, it, thank you so very much to my wonderful guests who shared their stories and their work in making sure that we're talking more and, and sharing this message um, for for a, a more healthier and harmonious society. For me, it's uh, assalamu alaikum. Do catch the repeat at 8pm and have an absolutely beautiful day. Stay safe, stay happy, keep smiling. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at InspireFM Luton.